I'm Beth Whitworth, race car driving, quilt making, CPA firm owning, wife, mom, and boss. I'm here to help you build a business you love by sharing all of the good, the bad, the ugly, and the excellent sides of working in this industry. It's not always easy, but after many years, I can finally say it's worth it. Let me guide you on your journey to accounting with confidence. Hi, and welcome back to Accounting with Confidence. I'm Beth Whitworth, and today I want to talk to you about books. I started reading when I was three years old, and I never stopped. I read my way through elementary school, spending my nap time in the library as a kindergartner and first grader. In middle school, I was addicted to teen romances and Stephen King books and always had a book with me for every single meal. And of course, in high school, I was reading all of the required literature as well as anything that was part of a series. I became addicted to books that were trilogies or had multiple in their series. I just loved that. When I got to college, I was too busy to read anything but my textbooks. There was so much required reading. But after graduation, I was back into what I call my fiction addiction. I have always been a avid reader of fiction. Nothing else really was something that I was interested in. And it wasn't until fairly recently in my life that I have actually embraced the world of personal development books and nonfiction books. And it was a journey that, for whatever reason, took me the better part of my life to get to. So here's the story. Back in the day, like a decade ago, I was really heads down, had my blinders on. I was at my desk. I was banging out tax returns, doing all the things that I didn't think anyone else could do as fast as me. So I was not very good at delegating. I was doing everything from internal accounting functions to high-end tax returns to even ordering the postage for the postage meter. I was in the middle of all of the things, all of the things. I also realize now that I had a chip on my shoulder or some sort of mindset block or something around how to improve in this area of my life where I wasn't delegating. I was doing everything and almost like a badge of honor felt like I had to wear all of the hats and I didn't get it wrapped around my head that I really needed to make a change here. I had been a member in a coaching group for quite a while. I mean, I was probably in there for at least a couple of years, but it was focused more around building the financials of your business and creating a bonus structure. And the bonus was what was going to teach your employees to act like owners, et cetera. And that was the one book I had on my shelf that was not fiction. It was the only nonfiction book I had. And that was a book by Jack Stack called the great game of business. And that's what my coaching group was around. So that was the only book I had. Otherwise, it was a lot of tax texts and fiction books, but that was the only nonfiction. And all of my CPE credits, my continuing education was primarily focused on QuickBooks and tax law because, you know, every year there's some sort of tax changes that you need to keep up on. 
And I really sort of prided myself on not reading nonfiction books, though I'm a huge reader of fiction. I mean, I currently read everything from military and legal thrillers to historical fiction to World War II fiction and fantasy and vampires. I read every single day. So it seemed like a very crazy thing for me to be taking pride in the fact that I don't need or want to read nonfiction books. But in 2016, I experienced what I would consider the third most pivotal time in my business. And I say it's the third because I had two, at least two, previous pivotal moments that were during some major transition times that involved my business and both involving ending some long-term partnerships. But in 2016, we had a rough tax season. We had a new shady landlord. My mom had a stroke and was ill. And we had to very quickly find new space to move our businesses to and get moved in literally, it was about six weeks time. And I ended up having a panic attack that it took me to the ER while we were out of town. Of course, I couldn't manage to do it while we were local. And we were out of town putting on a racing event. And I literally was laying in the the hotel room And I thought I was having a heart attack. And of course, you know, I woke up my husband and he took me to the local ER and they figured out that it was it was just a panic attack. Just, I say. Well, it was it was a big deal to me. They gave me some anti-anxiety medication and I went on to, you know, help with that event during the weekend. But I came back from that trip and I realized that something needed to change. I still didn't know what, but I knew I couldn't continue like I had been. And with all of the stress that was leading up to that particular event, my anxiety was at an all-time high and I hated my business. But it took me a long time to figure out that it wasn't my business's fault. My business wasn't running itself. I was in charge. If I hated my business, it's because I built something that I didn't like. and. I needed to fix that. I was the only one who could fix that. As I was figuring out that I needed to make a change, it got me to sign up for my very first accounting conference, which I've spoken about before. And then from there, that led to my first year-long coaching program where I was put into a program with other people. We were broken down into small cohorts and we worked through multiple modules to help build our practices into something that we want from pricing to marketing to hiring to time management. There was so many modules. And then from there, it had me signing up for more and more personal development classes. Now, accountants aren't always trained right out of the box in what we consider those soft skills like developing culture, delegating, and managing teams. But once I delved into the world of coaching and having someone teaching me that your business doesn't have to be what the industry expects it to be, I started changing up what was on my CPE list. I started taking more and more classes on productivity, time management, leadership, and not just QuickBooks and tax classes. During this journey, I kicked that rule about no nonfiction books to the curb. During the first year-long coaching course, there were 
at least six books that were required reading. For someone like me who didn't consume nonfiction and kind of thought it was a badge of honor to not consume nonfiction, this was a huge obstacle for me. I'm typically a fast reader, but I'm typically reading a story. I am reading fiction. And so I was really concerned that I was not going to be able to meet the deadlines that were in this class that were required for me to really get through the class and get the content that I needed. But I did manage to discover Audible at that time. And I started listening in my car when I was going to and from my office and anytime I was running errands and just started getting into that mode of there was always somebody, you know, reading to me in the car. And that's where I started to absorb a lot of this. And what I discovered that seems pretty basic now is that there are lots and lots of good information And I had been missing out on it for half of my career, if not more. And while some of the topics didn't stick or weren't relevant in the moment when I needed to read them, it made me realize that I need this type of media in my life. And it also opened me up to some authors that have become my favorite go-to authors for leadership, culture, team building, management, any of those skills that I thought should come naturally and didn't. Those are the authors I was drawn to because they are teaching me the most about building a better business. So here are my current top three authors and my current favorite books by them. And I say current because all of them are continuing to publish books and there's lots of books in their libraries that I haven't consumed yet. So I try to circle back and have a book at least a nonfiction book, a personal development book going at least one a month now. But sometimes there's a a little bit bigger gap depending on what's going on in my life. Or, you know, if I don't like now, I don't have a lot of time in my car. So there is less time for me to be listening because one of the things with nonfiction books is that I cannot listen to them while I'm working. I can listen to music. I can sometimes listen to fiction but I can't listen to a nonfiction book while I'm actually trying to generate a tax return or do a bank reconciliation or any of those things. So my time inside my car has been limited now that I pretty much work for my home office almost 100% of the time. And so I'm not in my car. And I've had to really kind of remind myself that I need to consume these types of books. But back to my current top three authors and my current favorite book by each of them. And we'll start in really no particular order. But the first one is Michael Hyatt. And the book is Free to Focus. So Michael Hyatt is the founder of Michael Hyatt and Company that recently had a branding change and I believe possibly an ownership change as his daughters are all highly involved in his business and they've changed the name to Full Focus. And you may recognize the name Full Focus from the Full Focus Planner, which is something that they sell. And it's actually the planner that I use on a daily basis. And they coach around taking control of your time and creating a win in both your business and your life. And they have this planner that I've been using for probably going like four years now. And it allows me to set my top three priorities for the week, my top three priorities for the day, and kind of go through and analyze each week 
wh- what worked well, what didn't. Focuses on things like creating an ideal week so that you start to take control of your time. And I found Michael Hyatt through Amy Porter, Porterfield, who is a digital course creator who actually sells a course on teaching you how to create digital courses. So she's kind of got a circular equation going there. But I joined her program several years ago, and she recommended not only this planner, but this book, Free to Focus, and had said that this is a book that she actually sends out to her team members when she hires them. You know, that she has a a stack of books that is required reading for new hires, and Free to Focus is one of them. And this book is something that just gives a very easy model of starting to get control of your days. And it's only nine chapters and they are very doable chapters. It's very easy to read. This was one of my first dives into recognizing that in order to take control of my calendar, I needed to use the word no more, that I really needed to put some parameters and some boundaries around my calendar that worked for me and not what worked for everyone else. And this was critical for me to be able to start to focus on what needed to be done and what was the highest priority. It also talked about a lot about delegating being so critical and reinforced the idea that I should only be doing what only I can do. And that was something that during my coaching program with Woodard, that was a mantra that came up constantly. Only do what only you can do. And that could be from David Allen. It could be from, which is another author, but it's really true. You find yourself in a situation where you think that you can do it faster, you can do it better, you can do it right. And it's too much trouble. It's too much time. There's a chance that there could be errors if you delegate it. But if you continue to do all the things just because you can and you're good at them, then you can't possibly be focused on the most important things all the time because you have too many things to do. So only do what only you can do has been something that has become a mantra for me because it has really taught me that it's time to let go of some of those those little things just because I can doesn't mean I should. And the book itself was a super, you know, easy read, very eye-opening, lots of exercises that you need to go through to do a time audit of how you're spending your time, you know, of categorizing things as to important or not important, those types of things. And it was very eye-opening. Additional books by Michael Hyatt are The Vision Driven Leader, which I have read, Mind Your Mindset, which is all about, obviously, your mindset and your best year ever. And he's got a library. He has at least 19 books. Uh, Mind Your Mindset, I believe, was one that was just released that he wrote with, co-wrote with his daughter, who also, she's the co-host of his podcast. And, you know, all of these books are things that focus on leadership and culture and mindset. And so I think Anything that you grab from him or from them, Megan is the other author, would be worth the read. The second author that is currently on my top favorites, and he's been on there for quite a while, but is Mike Michalowicz. And he's one that I I just saw him on the main stage at Scaling New Heights and hearing his story about, you know, building his business, selling his business, then 
not managing his money well and losing everything just makes him very relatable. He's very funny to listen to as a speaker, but he's also a great author and has written several books. And what he's probably most well known for is his Profit First book, which really teaches the philosophy that is well known in the accounting industry. That's the plan where you have multiple bank accounts and a strategy for funding each of those buckets each quarter so that in the end, you don't come out without having taken any profit for yourself. And it's really an expense managing strategy. And if you don't have it, you don't spend it is really the bottom line. But it has become somewhat cult-like inside the accounting industry or for small businesses where you know they people proudly say, I'm a profit first business. I'm a profit first business. And that is phenomenal. He's he's kind of he's got a huge following and he's he, I think he's developed a coaching program and all the things. But my favorite book by him is Clockwork. And Clockwork actually focuses on delegation and getting yourself out of the middle of everything. So like I said at the beginning, I had myself in everything because I thought, one, maybe I'm just a control freak, but two, it was just faster. It was just faster. Well, it's really not just faster. If I'm having to do all the things, it becomes impossible to grow your business if you're doing all the things. So The goal here and what he builds this book into is the goal for having the owner take a four-week vacation, a month-long sabbatical, and not have to work. And then he walks you through all the strategies that you need to do to build up to this. And it makes you really dig deep into what you're doing and what you're doing that's actually important or back to the same philosophy, only do what only you can do. This book was the catalyst for me for starting to document my processes and get them out of my brain. Because saying that I just don't have a process for that, the answer really is, yeah, you do have a process. It's just in your head. And so I think after I read that book was I I did all the exercises. I worked through all of the strategies that they want you to work through and identified all of the, the things. And again, a time audit. You know, how are you spending your time? What are you doing? And if you're seeing a theme, I need this repeated to me over and over in order for me to actually absorb it. But it worked. I mean, it really did. Once I I embraced it, I was able to really get a lot of little things off my plate that by themselves didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. Maybe it was 10 minutes a week. Well, that starts to add up over the course of your work weeks, especially if you were looking to work less. And last year, when I was able to take eight weeks off to recover from my surgery, I was down to only one task that I had to do. And I guess technically it's probably two tasks. That was importing time and processing payroll. And that was only because I just hadn't gotten to creating those procedures or delegating it. I just kind of ran out of time and decided that, oh, that's not that big of a deal. But here I am a year later and I'm still importing time and processing payroll. And I think that just highlights the fact that I need to revisit this book and get rid of that, you know, make a process for that. But also I probably need to revisit and see what I'm still hanging on to that I need to delegate. And I successfully took those six to eight weeks off and did not work on any client work 
did not really interact with my team as far as doing any type of meetings or day-to-day things, but there's still work to be done. And I think any books that you're reading, you know, revisiting your favorites, you'll probably get something different out of them the next time. So some additional books that are by Mike Michalowicz, I mentioned Profit First. He also has The Pumpkin Plan and Fix This Next. And he probably has a couple of others that I'm not remembering. But and again, anything you pick up by him is worth the read. My third favorite author right now is Patrick Lencioni. And he's an icon in the organizational health space. So meaning he comes into your business and says, you know, this, <laughs> here's your, your checkup. Here's the things you need to work on. And he works with companies relating to their leadership and teams and culture. And the, my current favorite book by him is actually the one I listened to most recently, which is The Ideal Team Player. And he also has a library of books that I just, for one reason or another, I'm just drawn to. I'm drawn to the style of the book. And these are my favorite ones to listen to on Audible. Now, he's not the one reading it. And some people may think that the person who is reading might sound cheesy or like an actor. It doesn't bother me. I just, I get sucked into these books and want to know what's next. But I was introduced to him during that one year long coaching with Woodard and we were had required reading that was the five dysfunctions of a team. So this was during our module when we were learning about building a team and building culture and those types of things. And that's when I discovered Audible. And it's always the same style. It's an easy to read or to listen to. And it's really a fable that highlights the topic and how it is placed into a hypothetical situation with a team and how they come about figuring out all of these these things, whether it's the five distinct functions of a team or the characteristics of an ideal team player, etc. And it's just, you listen to the fable, it's, that's several chapters, and then at the end, it's followed up with a few chapters on the implementation. You know, so how do you actually make this work in a real setting outside of the hypothetical? And the ideal team player, that book focuses on identifying and hiring to three traits. And they refer to them as being humble, hungry, and smart. And for humble, essentially, they are trying to find people who are checking their egos, that they're not in it for themselves, that it's not just a resume builder, that essentially, you know, you know, you recognize those people that are constantly talking about their achievements. Those are not the type of people that necessarily make great team players. The second trait was hungry. You want your team player to be hungry. Someone who likes to take initiative is not just a clock puncher or worse, a clock watcher, where they're not looking for something else to do and not thinking about the business outside of when they're there. Now, you would love to have everybody on your team looking out for your business when you're not there, even from the receptionist up to the salesperson, anybody that works in your business, you would love it that if they read something outside of work and they said, oh, that would apply to work. You know, that tells you that they have some hunger there, that they want to grow with your business. And then the third trait that he said makes an ideal team player is smart. And he refers to this as being people smart, not necessarily your IQ, not your score on your SAT, none of that. It's someone who recognizes social cues. 
They can interact appropriately in different situations with different people, with different personalities that don't rub people the wrong way all the time. Now, everybody's going to have, you know, some personality quirks that drive other people nuts. But what you're really looking for is someone who recognizes when it's a good time to make any type of a, you know, situation better, (laughs) as opposed to someone who's just exacerbating a situation. So you really are looking for those people that are smart. And the book ends with how to identify these traits in not just not just when you're hiring, but if you have an existing team. So how you can kind of figure that out, how to work with those people if they're missing one of the traits and how to make it very easy to figure out that, okay, if they are missing something that is super important or they're missing all three, that maybe they're just not right for your team. So if you have a team that has these traits, it essentially reiterates that you will be able to build a team that is stronger than if you have members of your team that have none of the traits or only a little of these traits. Now, the other additional books other than Five Dysfunctions of a Team, the other one I just read from Patrick Lencioni was The Six Types of Working Genius. And this one is, it automatically came another one of my favorites. And it just works with, you know, determining who on the team has what areas that is their working genius. because we don't all work the same way and we don't all like the same things. And it, once you build your team, you need to be able to work together. So you can have these, these two things, the ideal team player and the working genius. They actually complement each other. And I would say they're both worth the listen. And I would say I've only really listened to Patrick Lencioni books. I don't know that I have actually read one. I probably need to actually add a hard copy to my library because the books almost always come with some appendices that have questions or worksheets or those types of things. Also associated with almost every one of these authors is going to be a website that you can go and if they have a quiz to take or if they have additional resources, you're able to, once you've read the book, you can go to their their website and get all kinds of resources. So it's great for if we're in that respect that all of these authors are so one, well-known and two, really good about finding ways to attract people onto their sites. So what all of these books have in common is that they made me think about myself. They made me think about my habits. They made me think about my team. And they really made me think about what I really want. You know, what type of business do I want to run and be known for? and they made me stop thinking about why I hate my business and they realized, made me realize that I can make changes. They're also, none of them are overly theoretical or preachy. They're very easy to read. They're easy to understand. They're not asking you to do things that are so outside of the norm. They're just making you focus on what's important. Another thing that is common with all of them is that None of them are about accounting firms. None of the authors are specific to this industry, but all of their concepts and strategies can be applied to accounting and bookkeeping offices, large businesses, small businesses, doesn't matter. They write these books in a way that it is something that can cross all industries, really. I mean, if you have a team, if you have a business, if you have anything that you need to delegate or you have some 
productivity issues or time management issues, doesn't matter what type of business you're in. You can find resources to help you and to make it to where you've got some ways to improve. And that's what this is all about. And that's really my takeaway from finally becoming a nonfiction slash personal development reader is that there's a takeaway from every single book. So it doesn't mean that it's something that I'm going to implement today, but it gives me a place to go back to when I get to that point. Or maybe there's one thing like learning to say no and putting boundaries around my calendar or making a process so that I don't have to be doing payroll at this time next year. All of those things came from reading a book and taking away something that is going to help me in my business. So what are you reading? I'd love to know. Now that I have made a habit of reading these personal development books regularly, I'm always looking for good recommendations. And I always want to know why. Why did you like that book? You know, what, what, what was your takeaway? And because just saying, oh, I, I read this and I heard this was good. I want to know, you know, sometimes you get into that book and you're like, yeah, that really wasn't for me. I got through it, but it's, it's maybe a different time in my life. It might be better. But if you've got any good recommendations, I would love to hear them. Be sure to subscribe or follow me on whatever your favorite podcast platform is so that you can stay up to date with my latest episodes. And if you are enjoying it, please do me a favor and leave me a review and let me know what you're reading. I really want to know. That's all for now. If you need me, you know where to find me. Thanks for listening. I always end my weekly team meetings with have a great week. If you need me, you know where to find me. And I realized I said that. And with this whole podcasting thing, it's new and you may not know where to find me. Go to accountingwithconfidence.com and while you're there, sign up for six easy ways to reclaim time in your accounting firm. And that will keep us connected. Have a great week.